Welcome to Tusker Talk, a podcast from Somers Schools. I'm Amanda Bergen, the district's communications coordinator. Have you heard the term social-emotional learning? In this episode, we learn exactly what that means and why social-emotional wellness is so important in raising kids today. Here to share their expertise are Julie Girardi, Assistant Superintendent for Learning, and Lynn Kukaj, a preschool teacher, a mom of three kids in summer schools, and she's also an art therapist. The creative arts have long been used in exploring and learning to cope with emotions. Actually, I'd also like to point out that Julie did her undergraduate work in musical therapy. Julie, I want to start, start at a really high level. What is social-emotional learning? So from a district level, social-emotional learning is one of the pillars of our vision for the whole child. Um, we know that students, if they don't feel socially and emotionally connected, they're not going to be able to learn and engage with others. And I really like uh, Lynn's definition of social and emotional um, Lynn, do you want to just jump in and tell right. us what that is? Right, so um, we talked about that uh, the social piece is our interactions with the world around us and that the emotional piece is our interactions, our reactions to those interactions. Mm-hmm. So they happen simultaneously, um, sometimes with our knowledge of how we're reacting and interacting. Other times we might be less aware and that, kind of requires us to be a little bit more reflective. So Lynn, can you talk a little bit about how you, how your work involves social emotional learning and how you use that in the different kinds of work you do? Um, Well, predominantly uh, with the art therapy, we, um, that focus tends to be trying to get people to be more mindful of being in the moment. And art really is a perfect vehicle for that because while you're creating, you have to be very focused uh, in the moment, um, which supports uh, trying to uh, increase a person's uh, awareness. And um, it, it's almost like a perfect um marriage of if as I'm working in the art I can see what my reaction is with the materials or with whatever the um, topic is so it's sort of without the pressure of it being an actual social interaction exactly so for kids they can practice and it really helps them in a very beneficial way sort of um, like a trial and error without it being so um, serious or having major consequences because it's in a safe environment. As a matter of fact, the district invited Lynn to do um, some art therapy with our counselors and our support staff at the elementary level. Lynn came in and conducted four art therapy sessions and engaged our um, staff, our faculty members, and myself in some amazing um, exercises where she was explicit about what she was doing and why she was doing it. Yes, so we um, most often for each of the sessions started off with a mindful uh, exercise, which basically is a meditative um, where you focus on your breath, you focus on reducing uh, your, your thoughts. You sort of um, just work on being mindful of where your body is in space and 
just your breathing. And it was really a, a good way for everyone to sort of focus in, and then we would go into whatever the art activity. And the art activities were connected to uh, often children's literature that um, we did um, uh, where we talked about uh, courage and we made a shield. And that um, I gave uh, all the the counselors a template of that and we talked about different ways that they could use that and implement that in their their therapy sessions or their lunch bunch groups um, we made mini books which were affirmation books which also could be uh, used in in different ways um, so I kind of taught everybody they all did it so the whole process was great because art therapy especially is process oriented art you're not worried about what the actual product is you're kind of going through the act of doing it which if you don't do it it's hard to know what you're doing so um we did affirmation jars where we created these positive affirmations that went into just simple jelly jars which was great and the very first session was um to have we did a meditation and they had to create uh, they had an image of their peaceful place and they created an aluminum foil and then the paper that came to print on it was sort of symbolic of life that sometimes life comes in and just bleh, just splots down on your nice comfortable peaceful place and now you've taken it off and now what do you do with it and so it's very symbolic you know imagery and people worked um, uh, very well with that in that framework that was my favorite session I think, Lynn, where where we really understood that sometimes our our plans are such and our pictures is, is looks a certain way, but then life comes along and it's just doesn't look the way we had hoped it would look. Right. And it was a great it was a great place for us to just talk about how art can help students yes. work through that. And parents, because just as an ending note, is I, I've done um, parent groups at the Somers Library and I did this actual activity with parents and it can be very emotional too, which is good. Because then you have a concrete the thing about art is that you have a concrete example right in front of you. You can't deny what's in front of you. So I think it can be very powerful. And I think that that all the counselors really benefited from the sessions. Julie, I think a lot of people um, aren't as familiar with the social emotional learning that goes on in summer schools. It's, It's been something that has been expected of parents in the past. What is the role of schools these days and summer schools in particular in social emotional learning? So it's interesting. I often read to students in our elementary classrooms and in my discussions with them and my conversations with them, I talk about my role as helping students learn, but typically the students respond to me by saying, you're here to to make sure that we're safe. So safety is an important part in our current environment. Um, of being in school. Am I safe? Am I safe in school? And so safety, you know, um, we can look at safety as hardening our our school buildings, but safety also has to do with, especially in the social-emotional category, has to do with do I feel comfortable? Do I feel that I'm in a place where my voice can be heard, where other children can accept me, where I can express what I'm feeling? 
So creating an environment where children feel safe socially and emotionally, they can connect with other children, they can be who they are, is really an important part of being in school. And it's one of those soft skills that we nurture in children that will help them throughout their lives. So starting in the elementary school, we have um, a program called Responsive Classroom. And every elementary class begins the morning with a morning meeting where children just simply greet each other and they look at each other in the face and they um, ask how they're doing and they greet each other in different ways and they just really create a community where everyone is recognized and every voice is welcomed into the classroom so that children feel that safety and security and that social connection in that classroom. In the elementary schools, we've added counselors. So we have counselors that also support students in smaller groups, in whole class lessons, but um, our, we were ahead of the curve in terms of bringing counselors to our elementary school, so we're pretty proud of that. Following um, responsive classroom in the elementary school, we would look at a period called advisory at the middle, middle school level. And the advisory period is a place where students can meet in small groups with an adult from, from our school to discuss issues of importance for middle school schoolers. So anything from relationships to bullying to um, making a difference to after school clubs, um, fitting in, um, all the kinds of things that middle schoolers are dealing with socially and emotionally um, can be can come up during advisory period. There's and some another, of the there's another program, um, Team Tuskers, the mentoring program that is at both Somers Intermediate School and the middle school. How does that fit into this initiative? So mentoring programs, we know that every child needs a trusted adult to talk to, to confide in, and oftentimes, most times it's parents, but it does help to have a teacher, um, a counselor to talk to, and a mentoring program is, is an extension of that. So Somers is, is very proud of our mentoring program. We've grown, it, it occurs from third through eighth grade, and we probably have over 50 mentors at this point who are community members who are just willing to mm -hmm. listen. Um, they are part of our, our school district, um, part of our district, and they're, they're just here to really connect, um, form a bond with, with students they meet during the school day, and they talk about, you know, the students talk about their interests, and the students who are involved in the mentoring program really find um, great value in, in being connected to that, that uh, additional adult. Yeah, it, in my experience with that, it's just an, a consistent person other than your parent, other than a counselor, other than a teacher that you can be like, oh, you know what? This person cares about me. I'm worth something. And I think that particularly in the middle school, you know, those are sometimes issues that come up for kids, you know, their their self-esteem, their self-worth. Uh, there's a, especially with social media, um, that having that mentor to kind of just listen. I think oftentimes it's just being an active listener, not being a problem solver, just actively listening and giving them the support. I, I think a lot of times is very, very helpful. Actually, I want to take a minute to put a little plug in for mentors because I know yeah. that it's been such a successful program. There's so many children who want to be in the program that we don't have enough mentors. Yes. So uh, I know that it's 
there's a, a real need for adults in the community to um, to step up and offer their time, and it's just an hour a week mm-hmm. at either SIS or the middle school. Um, so you, there is a on the website there is actually a Team Tuskers tab underneath mm-hmm. families. If anybody listening would like to become <laughs> a mentor, just head over to the Somer Schools website um, because I know that the program is in need, and we want to reach as many kids as possible. Right. And also on the website too, they have, you know, the information about there's friendship groups, there's lunch bunch groups, there's all different kinds of groups that can help kids who are feeling disconnected and figure out how to feel connected. Because I think that kids who feel more connected to their school as they move through have more success Mm -hmm. and they just feel like they're seen because you don't want your child to feel invisible. So to that end, we started the um, Student Life Center at the high school this mm-hmm. this year. This was the first year. And Miss Brenda O'Shea is the Student Life Coordinator. So to Lynn's point, Brenda's job really is to make sure that our high school students are connected. Are they part of a club? Are they part of an after-school group? Um, are they are they playing a sport? Are they in the band? Are they in the school play? Um, and finding those students who might not be connected and finding ways to connect them to other groups, talking to them, learning of their interests, and maybe starting new activities that would meet their needs. But we know that when students are connected socially, they're more likely to feel more resilient and strong and, and have a network of support as opposed to being on their own right and also too like that place where the um, student life coordinator is becomes a home base for kids who might feel you know what they're they're still struggling to find like their their people or their 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 club their sport and that um that becomes the the safety place but I also think that uh, community service projects that a lot of the National Honor Societies and the LEOs, and there's, there's a lot that's offered to, to, to help that with that connection that can um, give kids more um, support to deal with when life is messy and, you know. I think one of a, a problem that parents have um, is, know as the kids get older, knowing when to step back a little bit and letting go of some of the control that you have over your child's time or interests or activities. Um, And part of what we're talking about is helping a child move through those different stages. How can parents support what's going on at the schools, know what's going on at the schools um, in in the social-emotional realm and mirror that at home? So I would say at the elementary level, our connection with parents is pretty strong just because we have those scheduled parent conferences and parents tend to be more involved with students when they're younger. And typically, as is naturally the case, as students get older, we, you know, parents begin to step back. We step back a little bit um, and help students build that independence um, gradual release of responsibility we we talk about in schools. But I think it's important for parents to see that life isn't always easy. And sometimes in an attempt to smooth smooth out all the bumps, we do more harm um, 
than good for a student. I just saw a book on your desk called <laughs> The Blessing of a Skinned Knee. Yeah, it's one of my, it's one of my go-to books, uh, especially in conversations with parents, that yeah. the teaching, and part of being socially and emotionally regulated and healthy is, is knowing that when you stumble or when things don't go exactly your way, you can, you can overcome that. You can pick yourself up. Talking to a mentor sometimes, sometimes when kids are in a fragile place or um, upset, they think that they're the only one who have, has ever experienced this emotion. And having someone hear them out and, and listen to them and say, you know what, that happened to me, or something like that happened to me, and here's how I was able to go on. Right. Learning that you can go on. So the blessing of a skinned knee is just about... It really comes from Jewish teachings on raising self-reliant children. And it, it, it tells parents, you know, it's okay to, to stumble and fall. And, and the important lesson learned in that stumble or that fall or that misstep is to pick yourself up, learn from it, and go on. How does art therapy fit into that concept? Uh, well, as far as... Um the uh, the mess of it um, again. Art materials are uh, naturally messy, and they naturally cause kids to like. If you are um, struggling with frustration tolerance, or impulse control, or attention, or even if you are uh, don't like to get messy, um, uh, the projects or the whole process of doing art will affect all those emotions and you know just being able to try something out that might not work like uh you know working on a a sculpture and it falls apart and now it's it's you have to turn it into something else is a life lesson and parents need to know that kids are going to be messy and I just don't mean like the physical mess. Um, they're going to come home with all sorts of, you know, this happened, that happened. And we just kind of have to allow them to paint us a picture about what exactly is going on and then to help them. Okay, well, what do you think you could do? Um, even having them, you know, draw it out, like talk about your day, but let maybe some children need to kind of draw it out, write it out. Um, also, too, I feel that... Um, the whole idea about the the skinned knee is like we watch our kids when they're learning how to walk. We watch them crawl, well, roll over, crawl, pull up. We watch them do all these things, and we accept it as a natural order to learning how to walk. But with the emotional development, we sometimes forget that they're going to go through things that we wish we could save them from. We wish that we could... um, Nothing breaks your heart more than when your kid's heart is broken by not being invited to a birthday party or being excluded from a play date. Or, um, but they have to go through that to know that they can get through that. So all those firsthand lessons and discomfort kind of build that resist um, Ugh, that it's resilience. It's so hard. As a parent, it's so <laughs> it hard. Is, it but is the hard. first. But you know what though? The the best example is when the when your child calls and says, "I forgot my homework. I forgot my instrument. I forgot my lunch." You know what? Say, you know what? I'm sorry. You're gonna have to figure it out. Here are some options, and don't rush and try and save it. And they'll they'll be okay. I would say probably 
100% of the time they'll figure it out. And because if you get into the pattern where you're always the one who's saving them, they never learn that they can save themselves. All right, before we wrap things up, could each of you give me one strategy that parents can take away from this podcast that they could put in place today that will support the uh, social-emotional wellness of their children? Julie, you start. I would say be present. Listen to your children. Let them tell you their story. And don't jump in too quickly to fix things. Help them come to those solutions on their own. Be a good listener. Lynn? Yes. I, I would piggyback on that by saying be an active listener. Validate. Uh, their feelings say that you know that you understand whatever they're feeling at the time um, but that you are there to provide them with support and not necessarily give them the solution to everything and also too to be mindful of what you say around them and sometimes it's good to sometimes filter what you say because children's minds are not always the same as our adult minds and that we kind of need to be mindful of um, child development and where a child is in that development. All right, you both have a lot of resources I know that parents can go to for more advice and one of them is your favorite. You're both making googly eyes at this book, The Gift of <laughs> Failure by Jessica Leahy, L-A-H-E-Y. Why is this book so great? I read it because I needed to be okay with not being awesome, you know. So who are your children? Me. I mean, I my kids are. Uh, it, one of the things that Jessica Leahy talks about is that we all want our children to be masterpieces, but no masterpiece comes without imperfections or flaws. And I think that if we, it's okay. We're not perfect. Our kids aren't perfect. She kind of allows us to accept that gift of failure and be like, okay, it's all going to be okay. One of my colleagues shared that FAIL stands for First Act in Learning. So I just remember that when I make a mistake and, and I learn from it. So I think the gift of failure is something for all of us to embrace. Mm-hmm. And there's another book list you're putting together? Yes, we Lynn you heard Lynn mention that in her art therapy sessions she she often starts with a children's book related to a social emotional theme. And many many of our teachers, I would say up through high school, look at themes and books, but our elementary uh counselors especially were interested in this and we're putting together a book list of books that touch on certain themes so that parents can use these books to help them start conversations or talk about um, students' emotions or talk about difficult times in, in a safe way. And that book list will be appearing on our website soon, probably under the Families tab in our elementary website. And there are also a lot of resources for parents under the on each of the school individual schools' websites. There are, um, under student services, there are resources, articles, tips, things like that for social-emotional wellness. Um, And also, so many different resources. In our next Tusker Nation newsletter, which is emailed to all parents, there will be an article expanding on some of these and other ideas and strategies also for supporting students' social and emotional wellness. So thank you both for being here. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Amanda. Thank you.